they're high today. The microphones? Yeah. Well, you can you can adjust yours. Um, I see you're not holding yours today. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh. So, I don't know if I left it in or not. This microphone is <laughs> a little high. <laughs> I'm like craning yeah. my neck just to exactly. look over top of it. Exactly. But. I don't know if I left it in last week's episode or yesterday's episode, I guess, about reinforcing the mics with soundproofing. Right. Yeah. So it turns out that your microphone actually sounded fine, but by uh, strapping this amount of soundproofing to a microphone, yeah, it added... I don't know if it was because I was holding it and like constantly moving my moving, hands, yeah. but it was basically nonstop. If I wasn't talking, you heard rustling. What sounded like someone rubbing foam all over a microphone. <laughs> 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 so, <clears throat> so that was one of the reasons why last week's episode was delayed. I also, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the wall again where I'm like, I'm done with You're this. Done. I'm done. Uh, so I spent like an hour and a half editing just the first 20 minutes of that episode and and making sure I'm cutting out all of the rustling noises. Not that anybody would even notice it, but it, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, and so this week what I'm trying is I've got my microphone on a stand, so I'm not going to be touching it with my hands. Well, it's not. It's on a stand, but the stand is then on a bunch of books because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have a proper stand. Yeah. So I'm hoping that takes care of the issue. Um, listen, I know that you would never do this, and you might even edit this out. But um, hearing that you're you're hitting the wall again, uh, I'll just put a personal call out to uh, the the quietest listeners uh, in the podcasting world. Our listeners, uh-huh. uh, throw up a little uh, encouragement. Uh, <laughs> throw up a little review. Well, or... it's not. It's not that. I don't think I need encouragement. <laughs> I just. I feel like I've run out of things to talk about already. Just, just wait till you get it. You're you're gonna get one more five star review of somebody saying, "Hey guys, you helped me through my uh, commute. Uh-huh. Uh, keep it up, and you're gonna just." Your fuel cells will magically be, have something to talk about. <laughs> no, you'll, you'll just be rejuvenated. Okay, and then and then you'll start thinking some stuff. I can't talk tonight. This is gonna be good. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, I can't wait hearing that your uh, <laughs> your energy's at all time low. And uh, well, I mean, again, I just don't feel like I have anything to talk about. Yeah, to be honest. So, I mean, you think that that would be an encouragement to me to just go, but that actually makes me, yeah, even more um, unwilling. Yeah, it's like to talk. We've got the playoffs, which is ba- it's basically all I'm doing now. I'm just watching the playoffs. They've been good. Yeah, they've been all right. You really don't have much to talk about. <laughs> you are not kidding. <laughs>
Um, okay, I have a few quick items. <clears throat> Number one. Um, I won't obsessively break it down, but I have another bad trailer. Yeah. Uh, the, the latest Robin Hood trailer. Yeah. Um, which I think commits a few sin, a few sins. Number one, the, the hyper CGI setting, mm-hmm. like I hate that, you know, like the movies that take place in like medieval, whatever, but then they just kind of like cg the crap out of all their environments so it looks like weirdly modern right and i'm like is that cheaper than just filming on location somewhere yeah well there's almost something to like doing like a period piece like that where it's like yeah do like doing any sort of trickery brings it into the present time and it's like this has to be a shoddy production yeah this has to be put up with hammer and nails in some field somewhere, you know what I mean? Right. Or else it's just going to look, yeah, like it's too, uh, sl- it's too slick. It's too slick, but also it makes you wonder like, why not just then tell the current day Robin Hood story? If you, if you yeah. don't have the budget to go back and recreate these kind of like medieval settings, then just like update it, mm-hmm. make him a gangster. Yeah. That's what I was <laughs> going to say is I'm surprised this movie is not called like, Robin Hood, R O B B I N apostrophe Hood, starring right. Jamie Fox. Right. That that's what I was expecting. Yeah, but instead, what you get is also a, just like in um, Venom, you get a trailer that treats itself like it's its own movie with like a reveal in its own trailer. In its own, that's what I'm saying. The yeah. the, the trailer is treated like a movie. And so you have like a shocking reveal midway through a trailer. And it's just like, I mean, (laughs) you really feel the need to gin up any interest at all that you can. That you're like, let's put in, let's just reveal. Let's just make the main character feel like a, like a reveal in the film. Yeah. Um, Well, it's, and it's so, yeah, it's like, it's not even like a. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, wait a minute. That was supposed to be a, a right. mystery? Yeah. And it's also, like I said, that white guy that's starring in the movie is so generic that when the reveal happened, even though I knew the reveal was coming and what the reveal was, I was still like, wait a minute. Is that the same guy? Same guy. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the same guy. Right. But what I'm saying is this movie falls into, and this, I guess this is probably like a product of like DVRs because you know how... I don't know if they do it anymore, but for a while there on the trailers, on the commercials for the movies that they play on TV, they have the um, name and date mm-hmm. just on in the black bars. So like when you're fast forwarding through the commercials, you still get like a good five seconds of a name and date up there. Yeah. Um, but now they're also doing this thing where it's like, OK, here's the tra- here's the tra- the proper trailer. But before the proper trailer starts, you're going to get five second a five second like micro trailer. Yeah, I, you know yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, I hate that, that is the that's the the trailer inception that we're yeah. experiencing now. And why? Who 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 thought that up? Then who greenlighted it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, like I said, I think that's probably a thing for like 
DVRs or whatever. Yeah. Or or that could also be like the that's the like the YouTube thing, right? Because you do the skip ad. Yeah. Um then you have just gratuitous slow motion and yeah. you have the same move not just in slow motion every time, but you have like within one trailer, he does this kind of leaping in the air spin and fire an arrow move. Yeah. Like I want to say close to 10 times in just one trailer. And it just made me think like, did the director in his mind think that there were like 20 different moves? He He's like, oh, we could do this, this, and this. <laughs> and then he... Finally gets on set in this in the stunt coordinators like we can't do all that. Yeah. Listen, pretty much the only thing he can do is jump up in the air and kind of spin his body right. and fire he an can arrow. Do like a barrel spin. Anything more than maybe one and a half rotations, it's not gonna work. Yeah, your your handless uh cartwheel that you want him to do uh out a window. And uh, into a bale of hay is just, it's not going to work. We, we can't do that. Yeah. So instead, just have him do a barrel roll. And to me, like I was joking with you, I felt like what this became is just like how that move looks like indoors versus how it looks outdoors. And then right. how does it look when the sun is behind them? Now, how does it look? Like with the moon behind them, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's just different riffs on the same move, just in different locations, so that you can like really appreciate the nuances of what that move looks like in different uh, settings. Yeah. <clears throat> what if he just ends up using it as like a like a a movement exploit in a video game, where it's like Robin Hood realizes that these spins speed up his his movement by like <laughs> half as much <laughs> so he just is spinning through the whole movie just to get from place to place faster right right he's just like he's like speed running his own movie <laughs> right, exactly that actually would make let's sense just get like, this over with. let's just get this over with look i realized if i spin i could speed up every scene uh by a fraction and save us a minute and a half by the end of it so um yeah it just and and to me again like i always filter this through any kind of critic or thinker or movie exec like opining the end of kind of theater film going mm-hmm. or like the state of cinema today and i always wonder like number one how does this get greenlit where's the pitch here is it like, uh, uh, you know the story of Robin Hood? Yeah. And the exec's like, uh-huh. And they go, uh, yeah, there, there it is. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, I guess I, I've heard of it before. So, yeah, go for it. Do it. Right. Uh, make sure you get a recognizable star uh, in Jamie Foxx, and you guys are off and running. Um, I, I mean, and, and then when movies like this get, released I, yeah part of me is like what are we even trying to save anymore like are we trying to save robin hood in theaters uh because if so then uh i'm then your article about how cinema is dying is not going to have the emotional wallop that you uh 
that you want it to have. Anyway, Robin Hood looks terrible. Yeah, it's a strange. It's definitely a strange. Like, <coughs> who's the audience for this? Yeah, exactly. Like, I understand who the audience is for the Kevin Costner Robin Hood, right? It was me at that age. <laughs> I was the yeah. I, I wanted to see say, that movie so bad. I was so going to say my mom and dad, but sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was mature for my age. Right. But I mean, like, who who are you enticing to see parkour Robin Hood, basically? Yeah. Right? Like Slow motion barrel rolling Robin This is not going Hood. to be a movie for teens. Yeah. Right? And then you've got, like, is this, like, for, like, the Transformers crowd? I can't see those guys being excited to go see Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it just seems like a losing proposition. I I guess I just really want to be a fly on the wall on like that pitch meeting. And what yeah. was going through those people's brains who's like, how many million? <sighs> you know you what I it. think it is? Hmm. This is my running theory. I'm now starting to lump this under the umbrella of everything I don't understand in this world. It's be- a big umbrella. Beginning with where who are all the people moving into the new developments in this city right because everywhere you go there are apartments being built houses being built i mean they're being built everywhere right and it's like who is moving into all these places right who is going to go see robin hood 2018 robin hood parkour robin hood and so i'm now i'm sliding my umbrella over a little (laughs) bit to cover robin hood i'm I would believe if someone told me that this is a money laundering scheme. <laughs> they were like, we like in the Ozarks, right? Where yeah. they're just like, we've got, look, we've got to cover this somehow. All right, just Robin Hood. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It makes me like, want to we'll go- take the loss, whatever. We've just, we've got to, we've got to do something. Right. We've got this money coming in. We have to do something with it. Now I'm thinking about like, those apartment complexes and you go in, it's just like a Barton Fink indoors where it's just like shoes outside, like people trying to make it look like people live there. Right. But really it's all just like empty rooms and they're just, uh, yeah. Like you said, they're just moving a bunch of cocaine Yeah, or something. You're just moving money around. I mean, that, that makes sense. You, um, uh, I think you listen to Trump Inc. Right. Yeah. And well, I haven't. I've stopped, but I listened. I listened up until they said we're taking a break. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah, you're you're all caught up. Yeah. Um, I do. I do like in fitting with your personality, though. Uh, I would like every time forward, if I ask you about a podcast and just the season's over, you say I've stopped listening. <laughs> well, I actually unsubscribed from it. I just didn't know if anything new had come out. Yeah, I mean, I you know to to me, so maybe this this leads into our main issue uh, that I want to talk about today. Um, but yeah, part of me like w- just with Trump Inc., you get to the point where you're kind of like, what's the point? Like, come come to me when you've got something. Um, yeah, to, to a certain extent there, there were like some elements that, that I found truly enlightening. Probably the biggest one is when they kind of broke down these, like the building contracts that they were trying to get going in, um, the middle East and Moscow. And you realize like, yeah, real estate is a racket to begin with. Yeah. And is the perfect 
place to kind of like launder your money and right. do shady deals. And, uh, you know, I, I thought the the best episode was probably the last one where they went to that casino mm-hmm. in uh, I can't remember in there. They're, they're trying to get like um, a like gambling license Vietnam passed. or something, right? Yeah. They're trying and to get like Vietnamese aren't allowed in it. Yeah. <laughs> they're not allowed in it. And it's just like eight staff covering this yeah. huge place. And it's just kind of like tourists who go there and it's in the middle of nowhere. And you're just like, this is a, to- this is a complete yeah. and utter racket. Right. And Trump's lawyer is like the guy behind that. And it also made me think like, yeah, these execs like green lighting, the 2018 parkour Robin hood and the guy who's like, let me pump all my money into a casino in a country where gambling is illegal. They're idiots. Mm -hmm. They're all idiots. And they've all like risen, you know, to the top of their fields just by being, I don't know, idiots. Just by having money. Right. Yeah, that's guess, what it takes. You yeah, I guess it's money. not a it's not a secret. Yeah. Yeah, but it's I mean, I didn't stop listening to Trump Inc. for any uh-huh. other reason than I'm trying to purposefully sort of pull myself out of the news cycle. Hmm. I've taken Reddit off my phone. I've deleted the vast majority of the podcasts I listen to. I I for the most part, we'll only listen to a podcast when I'm at work doing something really mindless. Yes, really mm-hmm. mindless, like data entry or whatever. But I'm trying to give my mind some space, I guess. Yeah. Not be so consumed with it. It's not going well. I'm well, still like on my ask. phone. Like, even though I don't have Reddit on my the actual app, I'm still like waking up and like i'll just go to reddit in my browser (laughs) you know but i'm trying i mean it's getting a little bit better but it hasn't been like a miracle so what what have you filled that blank space with uh well nothing in the mornings in the mornings i'm still just just not listening to anything just exercising uh not listening to anything in the evenings i'm i'm uh i've been listening to uh I'm doing a combo audio book Kindle version. I was hoping you were going to say of- a combo taste test every <laughs> night. I'm eating a new bag of and write and doing a uh, doing a vlog. Yeah, your food I've vlog. Been listening to and then um, when I want to read, just doing the sync with the reading. Uh-huh. But I've been um, reading um, World of Trouble. World of Trouble. The third last policeman book. Oh, yeah, I haven't read that. So I'm about halfway through. What do you think? It's all right. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I read the first two. I still think the first one was my favorite. Yeah. Out of the first two. I'm not saying the second one's bad. Um, It's kind of more, it's more the same for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a good series. Um, And other than that, j- just been either, it's either nothing, it's either silence, right? Or I've been trying to listen to more music. Mm. So that's pretty much it. How do you find your music? Um, so I will find my music through um, YouTube. Mm. 
videos or recommendations like amoeba has a youtube channel and they do a um what's in your bag video like once a week maybe and so i'll watch that and pick up recommendations that way and then you know those recommendations will lead to other things or you know i'm still a member of vinyl me please so they do a lot of uh smaller releases Mm -hmm. um so i'll check those out just to, you know, I'm not like buying them. I'm not buying the vinyl, obviously, but like if it's something they're offering, I'll then go to Apple Music and listen, and listen to, to it. To it. Uh, that and just like reviews, yeah, um, subreddits, stuff like that. Haven't found really anything that I love. Maybe a couple things here and there. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't really... Uh, so I still play PUBG, uh, like once a week. Yeah. I'll try, and uh, and so around that, especially when you were playing, you know, kind of streaming got introduced into my life. Yeah, and you know, I I, I would occasionally watch. I wouldn't really watch anybody, um, regularly, and lately I'll just kind of. I've become a little curious, kind of like morbidly curious with like Twitch streamers, like professional streamers. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to the point where you cannot convince me that they are not in a Black Mirror ep- episode. Oh, yeah. They all seem pretty miserable. They like and again, I I understand that this is from the outside looking in and they they could love it. But at some point. It feels like they are prisoners yeah. of like, I got I to gotta go eight hours and right. I've got to just play PUBG. Yeah. Like, and I can't imagine doing like the same maps over and over again. And sometimes I'll watch, I'll watch a stream and, uh, and somebody is just running through a house and knowing exactly what windows to jump through. And I'm like, yeah. What a miserable existence where you've played this so much. Yeah. That you know, you walk into a building, you know, like, okay, I'm going to run in that room, that room, and out that window, and then next to the next building, you know exactly what to do in that building. It's like you're speed running. Uh, See, I like that. Oh I God. like that repetition. I like the, I like feeling like I have that knowledge and that advantage over people who haven't put in that amount of time. And... I'll say two things about that. I'll say one for not e- not e- not even the amount of money they make. But I would much rather be miserable doing that right. than be miserable doing data entry for 8 hours a day or more accurately doing data entry for an hour out of the day and then sitting on my ass for 7 hours and waiting for something to happen. See, I would say it probably <clears throat> I think those people are a certain type of person. Sure. Which again, I, 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 I am just coming at it from my perspective that it seems like a sitting hell. Yeah. But, um, I kind of like going in just like having fun. Yeah. I kind of don't care to know everything. I just kind of want to run in and like, do my best, figure it out, and when I die, just go in again. While and I usually like right. playing with people. Yeah, 
I don't really care to like, like you said, get to know the map and understand what mm-hmm. to do. I just kind of run around and that's, that's my enjoyment. Right. So for me, I guess streaming would be a nightmare. Yeah. Because I'm basically <laughs> just forcing myself because, to. Well, like, and nobody wants to watch that in a streamer. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, well, I mean, no. Uh, well, no, I should say no because there are streamers. Like, there are a couple, like, Destiny streamers who are, like, notoriously really bad at the game. But because they have that just grading over the top personality that, like, teens and preteens love, they're super popular. Yeah. But. I mean, I can see it both ways. Like, I don't... The The second thing I was going to say is that I do miss playing PUBG. Or, like, I do miss playing communally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Destiny or PUBG. Like, I do actually miss that. And I wish I could... I wish I was able to balance, like, hey, this is going to be my Friday night thing. Yeah. Like, Julia went out the other night, <clears throat> and I was left at home for the first time by myself in a while and I had no idea what to do with myself. Yeah. And so I ended up watching the invitation, a movie from two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, like they, you tweeted your like invitation on Netflix is good. Right. But yeah, it was, was like, like two years ago. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm doing this. Like I have no real desire to, but I'm not just going to sit in a house and not do anything. So I'll watch this movie. Yeah. But if I had the choice, I would have, been playing online with somebody yeah yeah i mean i you know and i'm not like i'm also not like when we played together i wasn't like demanding that you do this and this and this you know what oh, I mean? right but right. I, that's how but i do get enjoyment from that yeah from like being knowledgeable in those ways yeah yeah you you and chris i mean like you know he's he's the type of guy who can commit himself to like one game and 100 percent that game and Right. Do all the achievements and just and I am like, I'm not freezing somebody and then pushing them off a cliff for an achievement. I'm just not doing that. You know, I'm just going to ride my horse and run around, do do what I can. Um, Arrested Development season four remix. Yeah. Have you started it? Yeah, we we watched. So. So season four is terrible. Okay, season four, Elise and I didn't get. All the way through. Oh, really? We, we watched like three episodes and then I was like, this is awful. It's really Number bad. Number one, each episode was like an hour. Yeah. Well, they're all like between like 35 and like 47 minutes or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, number one, I can't do that. Number two, um, it's not funny, especially when you're following one character. And even I, I'd read stuff and I knew what he was trying to do. And I was like, you know, I understand what you're trying to do and kudos for, for experimenting, but this is not working for me. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of Arrested Development and I just, I couldn't finish. Yeah. So then I see a tweet and it's Mitchell, Her- uh, Mitchell Hurwitz, the uh, creator. And he's like, hey, I got some good news. I knew that they were uh, filming season five. Yeah. But then... Along with his announcement of like, hey, season five is coming really closely. He also announced that he had remixed season four. Right. And I, it, where he just basically went back and recut it and he made it like. Into the traditional into Arrested the, Development yes. format. So I turned on the first episode just to see what it's about. Mm-hmm. 
I found myself in the first five minutes, like laughing a few times. And I was like, I didn't laugh this mm-hmm. much in three whole episodes. And this has me chuckling like within five minutes. So yeah. I paused it and I was like, I'm going to watch this with Elise. So we watched the first full episode last night mm-hmm. and it's, it's good. It's not like season one, season two tier, mm-hmm. but I think he's not working with really great material anyway. And the fact that he could get what he got out of recutting it, I think shows like you still have strong characters. You still have some clever writing. Yeah. And the remix actually, I think, makes uh, lemonade out of season four lemons. Mm hmm. What, what did you watch? Do you have any interest? I'm pretty sure we watched all of season four. Um, we watched most of it, at least, if not all of it, and it's really bad. But the remix, the oh no, the remix we haven't watched yet. I, f- um, like I said, the playoffs are on, so if we're if we're watching anything at night for the next six weeks, yeah, it's going to be the playoffs. So. Um, and I don't, and I know that season five comes out at the end of the month and I would like to watch all of the remixed season four before, uh, before watching season five. So I don't think, um, you know, with the playoffs, I don't think we're going to, watch any of it maybe until the end of the playoffs. Maybe we'll get an episode in here and there, but I mean, unless Julia isn't just not interested at all. And then I guess I could probably watch it on my own at my own pace, but I, I figured she would want to watch it. Yeah. So seems like a good follow up after the office. Well, we never finished the office. Oh really? (laughs) Yeah. She gave up. (laughs) Uh, I like that you said she gave up. Like I imagine you're just like, listen, (laughs) if this is on or if it's not, I fell asleep during like, so like season seven, I think is when, um, Steve Carell leaves. And so they're like winding down the season and there was like maybe three episodes left before he actually, before his actual last episode. And so I started falling asleep during the that the beginning of that arc and um for whatever reason i don't know why usually julia will will wake me up or like will like stop watching it but she's like i'm just gonna power through this and by the time i woke up she was like um this show sucks (laughs) 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 we stopped watching it (laughs) i mean and then i had no desire to go but like i was saying like i was saying to you before i think part of that comes from like we binged seven seasons of the office in a month yeah and so we're getting to the wedding episode and all these huge landmark episodes and they've got like almost no resonance to us yeah because we spent really no not a lot not a lot of time in comparison to people who watched it in real time with the characters right so it's like we're blowing through this wedding episode and <laughs> and we're both like wow they're really going for it with this yeah. when in reality this is like a seven year buildup, right yeah. and like i'm sure the people that watched it in the moment were like loving it uh-huh. right yeah so when we get to the end of it we're just kind of like 
this Steve Carell thing, like we get that it's supposed to be emotional, but it's like, I don't really care. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So that's like, that's, I think that's part of the aspect. And like I said too, with, uh, maybe it was a stranger things where it's like, I just don't think you build the connections with the characters when you're binging something over the course of a weekend than if you had spent an entire year watching Stranger Things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because there's that there's that week-long anticipation. You know what I mean? So I, I just it's just one of those things that gets lost, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um But I then I think about like freaks and geeks, which like those yeah. the characters in Freaks and Geeks are some of to, for me the most relatable characters in all of like fiction, right? Yeah. And I binged that. I didn't watch that when it came out. I yeah. watched it when it was on DVD. Yeah, I think part of it might be as well that uh, there's just so much. Seven seasons is just a lot of content. Yeah, it is a lot. And each season has like how many episodes? At least yeah, 20. Yeah, like 20 to 30. <laughs> and, and you know, Freaks and Geeks is just such a yeah. small sample size. And just, yeah, different approach in terms of content um that i think also plays differently in a binge culture mm-hmm. you know um but yeah so it sounds like you're I, I i'm a little surprised we we have been huge arrested development fans back in college yeah I, i'm surprised like it sounds like you're interested in season five at least oh sure when, when that comes out you're gonna watch it well yeah but i'd like to watch all of the remix season four before i watch right. season five um uh, well it has my endorsement again it's uh it, it it feels like the show which is yeah. a miracle right given what it was um speaking of binge culture the habitat have you heard of the habitat uh it's a gimlet podcast oh um, reply, okay yes i have heard of yeah that. reply all played the first episode okay so reply all plays the first episode which I want to put my stake in the ground mm-hmm. right here and say these like crossover premieres are a sham mm-hmm. and need to stop in podcasting. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you belong on a on a network and right. you want to show me a trailer or whatever, but to sit there and say, "Hey, in lieu of of an of one of our episodes, we're going to yeah. play you this whole new episode of something mm-hmm. uh that's coming out on our network ridiculous needs to stop um having having said that i listened to the first episode of the habitat and i see that's released all at once and i was like okay, okay well i might as well you know and whatever it's, f- it's fiction it's like a story no oh, okay. it's non-fiction and it follows a group of people who have agreed to go live in a habitat um, in, in like close quarters, they're trying to simulate being on Mars and okay. NASA is trying to, I guess, understand the psychological dynamics of people living together mm-hmm. in a small confined space, but you don't get any of the science of it. It ends up just being like big brother, but podcasts. Yeah. I abandoned it within three episodes, but what I realized is in releasing everything at once, 
it's the podcast equivalent of like trying to get your money and run. Uh-huh. You know, like I think releasing everything at once is kind of a sign potentially of we don't have a lot here, but we know if we can just get you listening that we can make a bunch of ad money mm-hmm. early on because our numbers will be inflated. Right. And then as people fall off or if this podcast is forgotten in two weeks time, who cares? Because we made our budget back plus some. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. I found myself just like mindlessly going one episode to another when I took a step back after like three and a half episodes is when I stopped. Mm-hmm. I realized <clears throat> what has ha- what I've listened to happening so far is a um a guy who holds a woman down farts on her and <laughs> wait a minute this is a real thing that happens oh in the, my goodness is it like man. a bro culture thing or well so the so the i the, mean when you say big brother you mean like george orwell's big brother no, right? not no, like no, the I mean abc big, show or whatever no yeah i mean oh, the okay. reality tv show big brother okay <laughs> i mean like the uh uh real world right okay that um, makes sense and she's like, so the so the quote unquote journalist is like speculating who is hooking up with who, and she's getting these audio diaries from the habitat, and she's trying to say like every time I hear this guy, he's with this girl, and every mm-hmm. time this or this lady is recording, this guy is there. Like I wonder if there's something there, and he he'll like tackle her and he'll yeah. like fart on her or whatever. But then you realize like. No, they're just like, he's like my big brother. She's like my little sister. And so she like moves on to another person who's like, oh, but this guy, when he talks about this woman, is talking about her using these like kind of flowery words. Maybe they're hooking up. And I was like, you know what I mean? Like Nassau is trying to, I guess, understand the psychology inherent with people yeah. living together. And you don't get any sense of like, what data are these NASA scientists collecting? Yeah. You get the sense like it's a front and it's just NASA is, is about to shift over and be like a Fox station where they're just like showing reality. Right. TV. Yeah. I was going to say it. So it's reality TV for podcasts. So are these people giving like, is the audio just like their like confessions? Yeah. So like the audio is like, they're sending out audio recordings to her and okay. so they'll they'll do again, I don't know how much they do they don't really like reveal uh, it, the whole thing is wonky mm-hmm. and apparently there have been some issues after it's been released where some people inside are like feeling misrepresented mm-hmm. um and obviously it's it's just like with anything it's like we need to create tension or drama or whatever and instead it's like why can't you just be the science of it? You know, help me understand right. what they're learning from this project because it doesn't sound like you could learn much based on what audio she's getting. Yeah. It's like this guy brought a ukulele in here and here he is trying to play the ukulele and learn the ukulele. Mm-hmm. The the most dramatic thing that happens is the uh the Paris attacks with Eagles of Death Metal and all that. The, oh, okay, the, so that happened while they're doing while this. they're doing that. And there's so this a is French, a long time ago, right? And there's a French guy who was in there because uh, they were in there for a year. So okay. you know, I think it was probably like a year of that, and then right. realizing they didn't have anything, <laughs> and trying to figure out how to edit it to make it. We've got to scotch tape this thing into something. 
Yeah, and just like endless meetings of like, I don't know, do a whole episode speculating on if that farting guy right. uh, likes that girl and then end up saying, no, they don't. They're just yeah. brother, sister. But what about this other person? Right. You know, it, it's just it's ridiculous. The, it's the uh, mystery of whatever that lake is, but for the reality podcast genre, the island mystery of Skull Island or whatever that stupid show is that you watch. <laughs> The, oh, oh, Oak Island. Oak Island. Yeah. Oak Island. Yeah, man. That, see, but I watch that because it's so stupid. I yeah. watch Oak Island just to see people, like, f- fail. Right. That's th- that's something else that I'm trying to be very mindful of, too, though, is if I, if I feel like I'm listening to something mindlessly, even if it's like a podcast that I purposefully save to queue up at a specific time, if my mind starts to wander and I can't pay attention to it, or like if I'm walking the dog and I'm listening to a world of trouble and I just, I'm not following it for whatever reason, I'll just stop and I'll either just like listen to nothing or just, you know, let my thought process, you know, wind its way out or whatever. Yeah. Or I'll just put some music on or something. Because yeah. that's something that I that I would do a lot too, but like a, a lot, a lot is I would just be like, I'm just going to put this happening? podcast on because I'm going for a walk, and 15 minutes later I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm listening to, yeah. but I'm just going to keep listening. Yeah, I was cleaning, and so that day I was just yeah. like walking around my house cleaning and listening. It was just one after the other, and I guess I was, I was trying to trust that Gimlet had something there, and quickly realized. There's nothing there. Yeah. And you realize like podcasting is about quantity, I think, more than quality. Everything is at this point. Like I was saying before, it's all about monopolizing your time. It's all about. I know I'm getting I think I know that I'm dipping a little bit into the like (laughs) conspiracy theorists, like whatever territory. But it, it is all about taking your time away from you or monetizing your time for them. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I will agree with the monetizing your time for for them. But that's what they're doing. They're taking it yeah. away from you. Yeah, they're they're just trying to get that ad revenue <laughs> and yeah. keep keep the lights on. And here's the other thing that maybe this should be put under the money laundering umbrella. How in the world does ad revenue pay for all of this stuff? It pays for podcasts, right? It pays for YouTube videos. It pays for television. It pays for like everything. Yeah. Like, wh- where is the all this ad money coming from? Yeah. Like, how do ad companies have so much money? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at like ad budgets, a lot of times, like marketing budgets for companies, yeah. are like the majority of their right. uh, because. You just have to have brand awareness. Right. Like half of a movie's budget is its marketing budget. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's terrible. Uh, you know, I think the, the one thing also that, that is lacking is a comprehensive kind of structure to evaluate and rate podcasts. Because the way that it works right now, seemingly, is just downloads. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't speak to the quality of whatever. If you look at like any charts, like I haven't looked in a while, 
<clears throat> but I remember just like with audiobooks sometimes, mm-hmm. you just the, the stuff that's on there, you're like, self help will we'll, we'll slip on there a right. lot. And some stuff that you're like, who is even reading this? Like, you know, it, it just, it seems nonsensical. Yeah. And it's just volume. You know what I mean? And some stuff I, I think like, am I being like bot manipulated by this like thing mm-hmm. where it's just like literally just like you read the reviews and it's actually just like sexy times click here, sexy time, mm-hmm. five stars. It's just like uh spam yeah. stuff, you know? Um, That's a big problem on Reddit too. Like what bot, is? like bot accounts. Oh yeah. People or companies or, or whoever, or like this is the the perfect, perfect example. I, I, this isn't like a bot thing necessarily, but like there's, um, these posts on Reddit that have gotten fairly popular over the past couple months of a dog's chew toy getting destroyed. And on the inside of the chew toy is another chew toy. Right. Mm-hmm. And the post is like, Hey, surprise. My dog's chew toy had another chew toy on the side. And it's for like the subreddit of like mildly interesting or whatever. Right. And after seeing so many of the same posts, popping up on a fairly regular basis i saw that one and i was like wow this is clearly just an ad right and so i go into the comments and all of the comments are like hey this is clearly an ad right and it's like people are pointing out oh hey look here you can see the tag for the animal even though this this chew toy has been destroyed right there's the tag perfectly in frame. You can see the name of the company. Oh, and hey, there's their website on the tag, right? Yeah. And it's like these companies are either, it's either like bot manipulation like that, or they will buy like unused accounts. Like they're just farming them, right? And then they use them to like run ads and stuff. Yeah. Basically run ads. But when you go out and look at the person's history, it's like, oh, this person was like inactive for a couple months. They've got a fairly normal history. And then all of a sudden, Hey, here's an ad for a dog chew toy, basically. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that I've gotten a little more sensitive to with uh, with my son um, is like allowing videos or content to just fill his time. Yeah. But not actually moving him forward in any way. Mm-hmm. And thankfully... He's like young enough that my perspective still matters. That yeah. isn't going to last for a while. <laughs> yeah. So he'll be like, shut up, dad. I'm going to watch my videos upstairs and you can't stop me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was like, you know, over the weekend, I was like, hey, I was like, let's let's actually do something. Um, and uh, let, let's not give our time to something that can be over or changed in like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Let's commit to something longer form uh and so he's actually like all about it and for it but um but that's the one thing i'm not i'm not uh an alarmist with a lot of things when it comes to technology and children's attention spans and stuff but i am in the sense of if if he has watched videos for an hour I want him to actually tell me something about what he's watched at the end of that hour mm-hmm. and not shrug at me and be like, I, I don't really know yeah. What, yeah, right. what just happened to me. I saw some colors. Yeah. Some people were screaming. Right. I laughed a little bit, but I'm not sure what at. Yeah. The girls, um, I don't know how much of this is 
like what she's inherited from from me and how much of it is like a result of like growing up on iPad games that like hold your hands through things. But Sophia has been playing um, Super Mario Odyssey mm-hmm. and she's gotten to the point in the game. She's like f- she's progressed far enough in the game that at this point she wants to play it. And she picks it up and she starts playing it. And literally as soon as she starts playing it, she's just like, uh, she gets frustrated because she can't do whatever it is she needs to do. And it's even in like, I mean, she's only five, but it's in like, it's got like the assist mode on. So it's got arrows showing her where to go. You know what I mean? Like every possible advantage I've got turned on to help her do it. And she just, it's, she does, she just doesn't even want to try. Yeah. And it's like. I, I part of that is definitely from me, right? Because I get very frustrated <laughs> playing games. <laughs> but also, some of it seems. But at the same time, I'm like, at least I thought I was growing up. I still would like to try. Like she doesn't even want to try. Yeah. She just like will stand there and get really upset. And then if I don't step in, she just starts <laughs> jumping off the edge and killing herself over and over again. <laughs> As a form of protest, right? And then it's just, and I'm just like, why don't you just go? If you want to play something, just go play Splatoon. You love to play Splatoon, right? But she really wants to play Mario. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. Like, uh, and again, I don't want to, um, you know, kind of uh, fetishize fetishize my youth. Um, but there is something about, you know, like I was talking to to my son the other day. It's like my dad wasn't a gamer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't grow up with games, so he didn't know. And I would get only a game that appealed to me. Um, my son is benefiting off of me liking games. And so, like, if I get Mario Odyssey, it's kind of for me. And mm-hmm. the fact that he likes it is great, but kind of incidental. Yeah. So I'd buy it anyway. And there's Zelda and there's all these other things, right? Right. And so he's just inundated with options. So he'll just play something until he gets frustrated or whatever. And then just like go do something else. But for me, it's like if I beat Zelda, like Legend of Zelda, I would play it again. And like this time I'm like exploring it or trying something different Mm -hmm. on it. Or if it's too hard, well, that's what I wanted to play or that's what I had to play. So that's one right. playing. Yeah, exactly. And there's something about that where I was like, is that what's getting lost? Is he is he just has too many options? And it's like, yeah, if I was his age, why would I grind through something? Right. I would just play until it it pushed back at me and I'd be like, fine, stupid game. I'll go do something else. Yeah. Which is kind of what he does. He he doesn't really complete games. Right. Um, I don't know how much of that is something where it's like, hey bud, I'm gonna actually like I'll help you, but let's actually complete this thing. Yeah. Or how much you'd be like, okay, whatever. Play play something else then. <clears throat> yeah. My experience with Mario so far has been um I have they've had it for a couple of weeks now and I just for the first time played it yesterday or Saturday, maybe. And one of my first memories ever with video games is getting a Nintendo for like Christmas. Yeah. And having Mario Brothers and sitting down and playing it and like taking terms with my dad, who also never like this was probably the only time he ever played a video game. Right. 
and we're playing it and I'm just like rushing through trying to get as far as I can. And my dad is stopping at every brick, stopping (laughs) at every coin block and getting every single coin he can. I remember as a kid thinking like, man, like my dad was cheap thinking like my dad is a cheapskate even in this Mario (laughs) game, right? He wants everything. He wants all of these stupid, meaningless coins. And <laughs> sure enough, I load up Mario on Saturday, and I'm like, I'm just going to play this while the girls are doing whatever. I've got nothing else to do. And I spent probably 30 minutes in the opening area making sure I grabbed every everything. single coin, <laughs> making sure I like put my hat on every single little totem thing. And at the end of it, you get absolutely nothing special for doing any of it. And I think to myself, like, why in the world did I just waste my time doing that? Yeah. <laughs> I could be so much farther in this game. Right. But I chose to take my time and, like, do all, like throw a hat on every single one of these lights yeah. so I can get one coin. Yeah. Do, do you know about the game? Like, like the way it's structured? No, not really. Yeah, it, it does actually like it's surprising in the way that it does reward, like hundred percenting. Oh right. Um, like it will unlock stuff as you like. There, there's a number of collectibles, mm-hmm. like stars and special things and all this other stuff. And like once you break through a certain world, it unlocks other things. And at the very end, once you get a certain completion, it unlocks a secret thing. Like. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I, I appreciate about Nintendo is they tend to reward that exploration and that drive. Mm-hmm. Whereas some games do feel like arbitrary where you you really are wasting your time. That goes back to like the game I was talking about before where it's like this achievement where it's like you, you feel like the person who made the game is just like grasping a stroke. Like, right. listen, shoot uh, somebody in the leg with an arrow from 100 yards. And then, uh, I don't know, chase them off of a cliff with the arrow still in their leg. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, it's like there was that achievement in Dead Rising where you had to kill like 53,000 zombies. It was some some arbitrary number pulled from something, maybe like um, Dawn of the Dead or something. Mm but it's like it was it was it's an achievement like that, which takes you like two or three hours. Like there's a part, and I know this because I did it to get the achievement multiple times. <laughs> there you have you basically just have to get a vehicle and go underground the into the malls, like underground um little uh uh underground tunnels or whatever, and just for two to three hours, you just drive back and forth, back and forth, running zombies over. And it just is like, I don't know. I did it. Like I said, I did it for the original game and I did it when it was like re-released for maybe the Xbox one. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. It was like, it was re-released. I know I did it at least twice. And both <laughs> times I was like, why am I doing this? Right. I just want to um, like, create a game so I can make an achievement, like get a friend to commit to one Scientology audit to unlock this <laughs> right. and either have it be in game where you literally can't do it in game uh-huh. or have it be somewhere someone has like mail in proof. I wonder how many people would do it just for the achievement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Scientology, but I have to do this. Right. What about the high
All right. Anyway, do you want to talk briefly about uh, my effing First Amendment? Yeah. Did you listen to it? I did. Did I, did I pull you back mm-hmm. in? So first, uh, so this is the la- the latest This American Life episode. And it kind of is a piece where a few episodes ago they did one, Jeff Flake. Uh-huh. And I, I just wanted to briefly position uh, This American Life where I kind of, I guess what I want to talk about is kind of like reflecting on what This American Life is now to me. Mm-hmm. And if I should just stop listening, okay, it's kind of like <laughs> what I'm really exploring here, uh, because this American Life has done some great episodes, yeah, and they've done some <clears> great <throat> stuff. I I will, especially politically, like I will look back on. I forget the episode title, but um, they were looking at like a short uh, a, a small town dealing with immigration mm-hmm. and. It was just kind of a revealing snapshot of, you know, people dealing with their own racism and not saying, not not using that term for what, using whatever term they could without right. being like, listen, we're racist. Yeah. They want to say like, listen, we are concerned about our safety or whatever. And um, I thought that, that was good. But what's interesting too is like, it's not really for the reporting that they did. It's just letting the people speak. Mm-hmm. And I think like in political podcasts, I think we both listen. I don't know if you stop listening to Citations Needed. No, I still listen to that. Yeah. So I listen to Citations Needed. And that to me is like one of like the the podcasts I look to for like a political podcast. Yeah. It has a perspective. It's really well researched. But they definitely every episode are putting forward a thesis Mm -hmm. and exploring that thesis statement. Yeah. They're not interested in being like, hey, we think that there's a weird obsession with this kind of like uh, this this conservative, this thoughtful conservative. Mm -hmm. So we're going to but we're also going to, you know, bring in things to push against our ideas. They're like, no. This is a straw man, this Mm. myth of the thoughtful conservative that people in our culture have bought into. Here are some of the data backing up and here's somebody who's written an article on it and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Then you have like This American Life. I understand that This American Life is kind of trying to be the most approachable podcast there is, right? There is mission statement is to kind of hit as many people as possible. Do you agree with that? Like they, they, I I see them as being like, um, like more middle of the road. Sure. In the, in their appeal than, than worrying. Like, I think that they would change their show if they started to lose listeners. Mm -hmm. Whereas another show that is like hyper specific would just, they wouldn't care if they lose or gain listeners. They're just doing their reporting. Mm-hmm. So when well, this American life's perspective is kind of to bring you everybody else's perspective, I feel like. Yeah. And, and I guess I can, I can understand. So I guess let me jump to the end then on this one where you have, um, 
Okay, I think that's an interesting way of looking. I never mm-hmm. looked at like their point is to bring you everyone else's perspective, right. which can have value. But, yeah, it, I mean, <clears throat> it can to an extent. I mean, framing it that way is very charitable. I I think I get that. Um, but I think that they would probably I, agree with that. I don't. I don't disagree with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's probably what they try and do. But at yeah. the same time, I think it's like you're saying, at some point that becomes like useless. Yeah. And and I feel like I'm feeling that more and more as they get political. Because what you have is this tension of so on this latest episode, it starts with coverage of CPAC. Right? Is that is that the one that they that that's the conference that they start with? I think so. No, 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 no. They cut. They start. They talk about. I thought that they just talk about the turning point thing. And, oh, but that, that's not CPAC. Okay, okay. That's yeah, just you're, yeah, you're, turning you're, points. You're, whatever. Yeah, turning points. yeah. So turning points is like ultra conservative. Right. Uh, um, you know, they bring on Ben Shapiro. They bring in Charlie Kirk. It's right. started by Charlie Kirk. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just kind of like an indoctrination session for young right. conservatives or people who are not sure of their identity and just looking. It's like a gang initiation. Right. <laughs> it's really what yeah. it is. Yeah. And the the best part of the, of the episode, again, is just covering what these people are saying. And you have these people who are like, take up your muskets, fight for freedom. Yeah. The, you know, saying like the liberals, whoever that is, mm-hmm. they aren't here to debate your ideas. They're here to take your way of life from you, yeah. you know? And like all this hyperbolic, outsized language that's speaking about our culture is like a battleground. And, a, you know, you, you imagine like outside of this turning points. Uh, compound mm-hmm. is a zombie apocalypse where there's just like corpses riddled, you know, lying in the streets. And instead it's like, no, it's just like corporate capitalist America, mm-hmm. you know, where you can't see the blood in the streets. Not saying there isn't, uh, but it's not in the way that, that you're all categorizing it. And that was some of the, most revealing stuff. Then they shift and they focus on one story. And as soon as they focus on this one story, which involves a young college girl who goes to her campus in Nebraska, mm-hmm. and Wisconsin, Wisconsin, yeah, somewhere, and tries to start her own turning points chapter. Right. Well, she doesn't. She doesn't. So a part of the big thing at the turning points thing and it's also become like a meme uh is the is the uh, do they call it like tabling up something like that yeah where basically you set up your table in a high traffic area and you say something controversial or whatever or you're basically trying to provoke people right yeah and so that's what she does, right? And she sets up her table in a high traffic area and she's got signs that say like, I love capitalism and uh, socialism sucks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something yeah, yeah, dumb. Yeah. But she very clearly 
has no idea what she's doing or talking about. She's just sort of following these cues from the turning point thing and trying to get involved while also uh, not understanding or researching any of the issues. Yeah. She's just trying to be a... She's just trying to be like a shit stirrer, basically. Yeah, well, she talks about early on that she got kind of won over to this position because of the 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 support and inclusion she felt. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really mention like, and I just care about X issue. Right. It was just like I was surrounded by a lot of women. It was empowering. It mm-hmm. made me feel good about myself. So I figured like, hey, these people must have something going on. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, she she's not informed of the issues, and it's she's pretty clear about that too. She's like, "This is the first time I ever did this. Mm-hmm. Didn't really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I was nervous. Didn't really know what to say. You know, a lot of times." Um, and out comes a woman working on her PhD, mm-hmm. who's also kind of teaching at the university a little bit, and starts protesting her table. Right. And start saying, like, look, look at the fas- the neo-fascist and calls her a neo-fascist Becky mm-hmm. and starts, like, cursing her out and just kind of loses it at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this girl is, like, filming her and then she, like, flip flips her off. Yeah. And even in her uh, interview... She's talking about, like, I knew I was playing into them. I just couldn't help myself and blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. And so immediately I, I see what, they're, what they've shifted over to do. And what, they, what you want to do is you want to be like, hey, here's this Turning Points conference that is, like, indoctrinate. They are looking to indoctrinate people with mm. their perspective. Right. In, and, and their perspective is one of, like, warfare against right. people who have differing views from you. Which I would say is one of the big problems that we have in our culture today. And those same people are the ones who wanted to cry about like, oh, you know, the level of our discourse. It's not based on logic anymore. It's like, yeah, weren't you the one who just came from a conference that was like telling you to get your musket out? (laughs) Like, I mean, doesn't sound logical to me. Instead of doing that, then they want to pick a story that like duly muddies the water and kind of like implicates both these people in things that you can point to and be like, oh, that was wrong, that was wrong, and end up telling a, what ended up to me to be like a Mm non-story about two people who are just dealing with their own issues. And you realize like with the PhD lady, she has like father issues Mm -hmm. that go back to him being like, where she's basically like, he's a fascist Mm -hmm. pretty much. And the most choked up she gets is when she's talking about what he said to her after seeing the video. Mm-hmm. And you realize like she's motivated by her father, you know? Yeah. Like that's what's coming out in this. What's coming out in this is not somebody who's like presenting their side of the issues. This is a woman who is like reacting against their father. Yeah. And sees this perspective as something that is like, like, taken her father hostage you know mm-hmm. now on the other side you see somebody who's oblivious and is just like 
Forrest gumping their way into like a champion right. of the movement. Yeah. And it, it to me, it was just like, it, it, it showed to me like we are watching the circus play out and there's nothing you can do about it. like mm-hmm. when this happens, there's no point at which you say like, Oh, this is how you correct this issue. And there's like one professor who went to her and was like, Hey, are you okay? To the, to the turning right. points girl. Yeah. was like, Hey, come talk to me. She's like, okay, never follow up on that right. again. She doesn't follow up. On that's it. not, that. that's not part of the story. And in the end, the turning points girl seems like now she's hard lined. Cause she is like mm-hmm. the Mount on the Mount Rushmore face of these turning points. People and on the other side, you just have like, yeah, the institution caved this, PhD lady isn't able to teach anymore mm-hmm. because of her behavior. And then you just kind of like the end. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was more about the hypocrisy of the conservative of these conservative sort of firebrands positions because their mouthpiece is this girl who's completely uninformed. She has no idea like she knows that she's supposed to be getting this reaction from somebody because that's like the whole reason why she's doing this mm-hmm. thing. She has no idea why she's getting that reaction or why somebody would be reacting that way to what she's doing. Uh, she has uh, at one point. Yeah. The reason the um, other professor steps in and to offers help is because she starts crying because right. she gets her feelings hurt. So, you know what I mean? So, like, she's the snowball, the snowflake. Right. So, she, you know what I mean? So, she's she's uninformed. She gets her feelings hurt. And then, ultimately, they deplatform this teacher or student or whoever. Like, she's not going to get a job anywhere else. She can't keep working at the university, which is another thing that they are, like, vehemently against, right? Like, it's deplatforming people. Like, you can't take away my right to do whatever. Yet, they've taken this woman's job They've taken, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I understand what you're saying about the, uh, the, uh, the late, the, um, the protester being a, a, a bad, also a bad example. And I agree with you. I don't think this American life really leaned into that. I think that they sort of propped her up to be, um, maybe a little, loose right a little loose loose screws yeah but not but not to the extent that i felt like they were pointing out the hypocrisy of the of the girl the turning points girl yeah well i think that again part of it is like in so i guess i'll say like this american life did you did you find that um i guess would you say that that story pushed a coherent perspective Mm -hmm. or thesis on what happened? Or would you say that that story is an evidence of a reporter who would, who would prize themselves as being a neutral observer, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and just reporting on the story? How, How did the story play for you in the end? I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I definitely think that they're trying to uh, provide perspective for both. 
And do, and do you see value in doing that? No, for, absolutely, for, for, for absolutely not. Not anymore. I mean, <clears throat> if you're talking about a movie, yes. If you're talking about someone's experience playing a video game, yes. But I think, and I, I've said it before, and I've said it a bunch of times, I think we've now reached a point, or we're reaching a point, or at least I've reached the point where you have to realize that politics are not just politics. And if you are living under the belief that, hey, these are just my political beliefs, mm-hmm. and 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 you hold that in the same sort of esteem as how much um, you like the X-Men movies, you know what I mean? Right. You are inherently or unconsciously displaying how privileged of a life that you've led. And I know that that's like a dirty word or whatever, but to me, that's just the truth of it. Like you have to come to terms with the fact that you've been privileged enough to live a life where you can get to a certain age and you've never really ever had to consider any sort of political ramifications on your life or anybody else's life. That makes you privileged, right? And be it white, black, whatever, I mean, the same is certainly true of different races, but it's obviously going to be more true for white people, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we've reached, or like I said, I've reached the point where that can, you, I can no longer abide by somebody just sort of dismissing these ideas as, oh, that's just my politics, but like not putting any weight behind it. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've gotten to the point where it's like these beliefs make you a bad person. And so I'm not willing to see the middle ground of that. Right. Like, okay, you thought this scene from, uh, Avengers was great and I thought it was not executed well. Okay, fine. I'll like give you the middle right. ground on that. Not going to be able to do the same thing when it comes to like healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because one of those is a movie with no Stakes. real ramifications. Yeah. The other one is something that's affecting hundreds of millions of people. And it's like, you know, like we've said before, a, a lot of it now is getting treated as sort of inconsequential, just picking a side. It's just your your sports team, right? Whatever team you align with in right. sports, that's all that Republican and Democrat signifies anymore. It's just people buckling down on whatever. But so that's why I don't see the usefulness anymore in being like. Um, and, and maybe, and maybe that's not true either. Like I, I I'm, I'm perfectly fine he, listening to someone else's perspective if mm-hmm. they're going to share it with me like genuinely and honestly without any sort of agenda, but I'm not okay with then saying, okay, well we have to figure out a compromise because that's what, that's what you believe. Yeah. We have to figure out a compromise because you believe, uh, you know, healthcare is not a universal right. Like I could yeah. go really dark with that. I'm trying yeah, not yeah, yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm trying to be a little bit more rational, but like, okay. So because you don't believe healthcare is a, a, a universal right or like, you know, the same right as like having drinkable water or whatever, which is also like proving not to be like a, <laughs> yeah. something we need apparently. 
But because you believe that I now have to compromise on something to so we can meet in the middle. Yeah. Right? Or I, I no longer believe that the middle is where we should be. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the other thing, too, is like and, and maybe this is maybe this has value outside of myself. Um, but also, I don't need to know that like a white supremacist is a father. Yeah. You know, I get it. Yeah. They're, they're a person. They have a life, too. But they're white supremacists. Right. So you don't need to humanize somebody who believes in dehumanizing other people. Right. To me. I don't see the value in that. Yeah. Um, or I don't see the value in like letting those people have the floor to <clears throat> articulate their retrograde ideas. And then I just silently like cross my legs and like purse my lips. And mm, that's mm-hmm. a very interesting uh you know, kind of aggressive opinion that I haven't heard <laughs> right. before, you know? And, and the other thing too, that, that I was talking to somebody else today. I was like, you also have a false idea of what is a debatable issue. There are certain things that cannot be accessed through quote unquote debate. Right. And one of those are like identity issues. Tell me how, you can debate somebody if you don't think LG like um, gay marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't think that gay marriage right. should be legal. Okay, you're, that's a belief that you have that is that requires other people to share your beliefs to get there. Mm-hmm. You you you're not going to debate somebody into a rational like logical stepping stone that then says like and ergo. Mm-hmm. If you like somebody of the same sex, you should not be able to be married to them. Right. Like at some point you have to say like, <clears throat> okay, here's what I believe. Now there's a God that exists, you know, like mm-hmm. the person's just going to be like, okay, I don't believe that. And I love this person of the same sex. Right. And then what are you going to say to them? That's not a debate. That's an argument. And so what you're trying to do is you're saying like, I can't argue anymore with people. Our society has moved so far that I can't stand up and have an argument and have the other person not argue back at me. Mm-hmm. Because in your mind, you're thinking it's a debate. But it's not a debate. And for me, if somebody disagrees with me, I'm fine, like you said. Like, But what I look for is that somebody shows me that they're like curious. Show me that you're curious about the ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's where like the turning points people break down. That's where like the climate change deniers mm-hmm. break down is they have a different perspective, but they have no curiosity about their perspective. They just have a entrenched belief. Right. And that is it. But it's like, if we disagree, like show me that you've like, I've read this thing. I'm thinking about this other thing. Here's an article. Like show me that you're, you're actually exploring it mm-hmm. and not that like, well, listen, if climate change is real, then why did Boston have right. 12 feet of snow right. for a month. And that uh, you're not like purposefully ignoring parts of the argument that yes. like disprove what you right. what you believe. Oh, right? you're going to come at me with the New York Times article? Yeah. Please uh, read and, you know, judge, like read uh, this blog by uh, Mike Freedom Eagle. Uh, yeah. He really breaks it down well. And, uh, you know, it, it's that is not to me like intellectual curiosity that is you trying to defend and move forward your front 
your attack line, right. you know, but you're not saying like, Hey, open exchange of ideas here. I read this book, climate denier. I don't know. Let's talk about it. You know? Yeah. Usually those climate people are just like, I don't care about your, your science, your quote unquote science. Right. Like, you know, um, so yeah, that, that's what I look at, but I feel like, and maybe I'm overreacting to this episode, but I feel like, yeah, part of this is like, let's examine the humanity of both sides, how both sides are equally like responsible for some of the outcomes. Let's look at the, at the way the machine works and how unfair it is mm-hmm. that one is like, you know, there is something in the end and they don't really spell this out, but one of these women is on like a shooting star uh, within her own community and sky's the limit mm-hmm. until the next person shares a, uh, a video of somebody knocking their food tray out of their hands because mm-hmm. they're wearing a turning point shirt and they become the new rising star of the movement. Right. And the other one is now like on a downward trajectory uh, because of an, of, of an unfair system that mm-hmm. is just like an institution acts like institutions do, which caves to perceived public pressure that is, you know, kind of moved by uh, imbalanced uh, coverage. You know, you got these loud conservative talk radio hosts who are just like, yeah, and she, you know, and she was crying. And what if that was your daughter? You know, mm-hmm. instead of being like, uh, what does Turning Point stand for? Let's look at the the verbiage coming out of the out of the the conference, and also, yeah, what was her stated intention? Right. And Turning Point can dress it up as much as they want to be like. You're out there to spread your ideas and confront with the truth. But it's like, if she doesn't have the truth to confront people with, all she has is a slogan. Right. And she's just told to like, don't forget to tilt your camera in landscape mode when you film. And also, yeah, just, you know, just state that you love capitalism. Right. And it's like, yeah, what what people are probably going to respond to is like the stupidity of that idea which is what the other professor was protesting. Well, and that's what she was that was she was saying too like she recognized that this girl was there only out of provocation. She wasn't yeah. there to actually talk about capitalism or to debate the the merits of capitalism or to have her uh mind changed about that. She was there for this woman to blow up and make a viral video out of it. That's it. She's not actually there to have her mind changed. Yeah. It just is pure provocation. So really quick transitioning from there, because I feel like that did kind of it it just showed the kind of stupidity of our cultural machine at Mm -hmm. work. And just I I didn't really draw a lot of conclusions off of it other than like, yeah, it's stupid. I appreciated the. uh I appreciated having so much of the, I don't know what you want to call them, but like the Ben Shapiro, that segment of the conservative population. I appreciated having a nice, tidy little 45 minute package of how hypocritical they are. Right now. (laughs) Yeah, that, but, but I feel like what you could have done is you just could have like done the, the, the turning points coverage. And just get the people there on mic saying, what have you heard? What have you taken? And and cov- give me more of what was said there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, let them damn themselves with their own declarations. 
as soon as you pivot off to this other story, I really don't know what to take from it, you know? Other than like, yeah, look at, in some ways there's both sides of this. And then let's infer the lessons. Again, they don't talk about like the rising star and falling star mm. dynamic at the end. That's that's there for you to infer. But I feel like have a have a perspective if you're going to tell that story. Yeah. Um, put a button on it. Um, or, yeah, y- you went to this Turning Points conference. Give me more of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, um, This Is America also dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, the, the latest video by Childish Gambino mm-hmm. and this director who I love, um, Hiro, um, your Mirai. And he's done a lot of like music videos. He also, I found out, did a Amazon pilot for a show called, um, did I not write down, I mean, Oak, crap, what's it called? Oak Creek or something. Mm-hmm. And it's a show that was written by George Saunders. Okay. And Amazon, you know, does these like pilots where right. they like, they green light <clears throat> a certain amount of people to make a pilot and they show them and then people get to vote and they take some to series. Right. Which apparently like their track history is, is awful. On how they <laughs> actually sure it make is. It, make it to sounds series. like such a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a terrible idea. And so George Saunders gets greenlit with this great director. Uh-huh. And of course it doesn't get picked up. Right. And I feel like it is just a testament to like, again, like the, the, uh, had your, uh, the, I was going to, I can't talk. I was going <laughs> to use another one of the, the, the words that uh-huh. I know you'd be, um, homogeny. Yeah. Uh huh. I was going to say like homogenization. Uh-huh. Yeah. Homogeny of, of our culture, which is like too specific, probably too good. Yeah. Get out. Give me something. It's not broad enough. Yeah, give me something broader. Right. And apparently you can't even watch these pilots after they air and don't get picked up. Oh really? Yeah. Cause I went, I'm sure I, you I, can torrent it. Well, yeah, I think that's probably what I'll maybe try and do now. Cause I really, I really want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you though? Because you, what if you get to the end of it and it's like, oh, wow, that's great. And I will literally never have anything more of it to ever watch again. Right. But it's I, not again, I think it's, it's uh, so I'm finishing up. One thing that I do want to talk about, I'm finishing up uh, 10th of December by George Saunders. Mm-hmm. My first full short uh, collection of his that I've read. And I love this director. Um, so, yeah, I just want to see what they do. Yeah. So he releases this video. And, um, I heard a bunch of people talking about it and, you know, I have some mixed feelings about Donald Glover. Um, I tend to think he's fine. Um, but I I didn't like run out and watch this video, but then when I finally watched it, it really hit me. Like it really struck me. Uh, I don't know if, if you had any initial reaction to the video or just even generally if you liked it or not. Um, I liked the video i like the video a lot okay and i like the song all right okay so i think um the the video basically just shows uh, there's a a lot of breakdowns of the iconography that um that he affects throughout the shoot and a lot of it comes from like jim crow era like illustrations um which i think is really interesting so i would 
highly encourage somebody to to watch the video and then look at all like the cultural iconography that that is used in it. But what stood out to me are two things. Number one, you you take the turning points, the This American Life episode and the absurdity of it all. Right. That um, a story as stupid as. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm at a college campus and I'm now going to be like, again, the shining star of an entire kind of like of the largest conservative movement. I mean, Ben Shapiro is like a Mount Rushmore figure on this new like generation of conservative. And the the. The. Kind of. Um. The institution that he's aligned himself with, all these kind of structures, are built so much so that you could literally force Gump your way into a leadership position on. Yeah. All you have to do is get a liberal professor to flick you off, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're a made person in that institution. Yeah. Right? And that somehow is like a leading institution, like conservative thought. Um, on the uh, So there's like inherent absurdity to and again like the trump stuff like you know we we've talked a little bit about trump and i just kind of i follow it in the sense of it's a curiosity to me Mm -hmm. at this point but it i don't know how anybody lives in our society here and isn't overwhelmed by the stupidity of it all yeah by like now is the time if you were like uh nihilistic evangelist go for it (laughs) preach on the corners because i think a nihilistic worldview is ripe for just a uh uh a breakout like a a renewal yeah uh, in our culture because i don't i don't feel more alone in the universe than i do when i hear Rudy Giuliani <laughs> tried to defend Donald Trump and then watch everybody after a defense run to try and cover up sure. and everybody scrambling and Sarah Huckabee Sanders is kind of admitting to lying, but, but can't and won't admit. And you know, just all this stuff, like it is absurd to, yeah. And one thing that I like about this video is it, it deals in absurdist imagery that I want to see more artists, push into like we need uh, David Lynch is becoming to me like appropriate Disney viewing for mm-hmm. my son. Like I feel like uh twin peaks would make sense now in our, in our world and be like, Oh yeah, no, this, <laughs> I actually get all of this. Right. None of this seems absurd to me. Right. Uh, I feel like only absurdist imagery makes sense anymore. And I actually hope that we get more of it as we move into this absurd culture that we've created for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so th- that was one thing that, that, that I responded to. And I think Donald Glover and uh, Hiro Murai does in a lot of his videos. Like if you go back and watch, it, it is this kind of like subtle, like little things are off. Mm-hmm. And... And it's just either making you uncomfortable with what you're seeing or just a one element will then change the whole structure of what you're seeing. And 
that is how I feel like it is about our culture. Like we're slowly having things pulled away and revealed to us. And what we're realizing is like, it's all chaos back there. Mm -hmm. Like there's no order. There's no like, you know, um, there's no great wizard of Oz. There's just an old man pulling levers and yelling into a tin can, you Mm -hmm. know? And so that's one thing that I like. The other thing that stood out to me is it stood to me as like a rebuke of the people who say like Colin Kaepernick, get on the field, like shut up when you tell your entertainers to like stay in their lane Mm -hmm. and something. So I, I jumped on Facebook and I wrote a little like quick take on this video. And that was basically what my take was is if you've said anything like an angry post about Colin Kaepernick or angry adjacent post, just any observation that boils down to get out of my political feed and back into your entertainer's box, Mm -hmm. then this video I think is really important to watch and pay attention to because I think that he is critiquing that that perspective uh, rightly. Um, And then... uh, Do you think there's... I don't think there's any crossover there, though. What do you mean? Like he's like Donald Glover is preaching to the choir with this. Like, I don't think there's anybody that's loving this is America who was also like Colin Kaepernick hates the troops. Yeah, but no, but I think that he's offering that as a as a rebuttal or observation that that can maybe allow people to jump and springboard off of that and write articles or explainers or have those conversations like. I wrote my thing and then somebody jumped on there and posted. And so it started a conversation. Um, and, and the conversation boiled down to like, he was like, listen, you as an entertainer work for me. When I buy your ticket, you know, I am your boss. And I was like, what is this obsession with like owning people? Like that's the way it comes down to mm-hmm. all these people who critique like entertainers and athletes. It's a weird ownership thing. And it does like, and he also, again, tried to make the claim, like, it's not all racism. I was like, I think it is. I think a lot of it goes back to racism. And part of it is like this ownership idea. Like, why are we obsessed with the fact that like, hey, I buy this ticket to this football game. I cannot buy it and you'll be out of a job. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, he won't because there's millions of others who don't agree with you who are still going to watch the sport Mm -hmm. or are still going to go to the concert. You know, you're a minority. And the fact that you feel like your ticket matters or that that ticket somehow is like ownership on that person is such a disgusting, like, again, slave mentality where Mm -hmm. it's like for a performer, when I buy a ticket, I see me as being the one who's like, I am showing in some ways, if we want to put it this way, my subservience to them. I'm like willing to shout out 50 bucks to come see them perform. That to me doesn't mean that I like, Hey, I bought this ticket with the expectation that you're not going to offend me mm-hmm. and you better not offend me or else I guess I'm not buying another ticket. Like, right. It's such a bizarre, like not even outdated because it is, it speaks to like the, the, the slave, uh, sure. like, like a slave owner's mentality. Yeah. I'm just not familiar with anyone who feels that way. Well, this person does. But, well, don't you think, like, isn't that the I biggest... I mean, in the real world. That person's in the real world. Who? And, what person are you talking about? On my face, who jumped on oh, my face. Oh, okay, that's person. what I'm saying, though. Yeah, like, I'm not exposed to that, so yeah. I'm not I'm not sure. But but also what I'm saying is, like, during... Like, the, the, yeah, I, I, the, what I'll say is that makes 
so such a little sense to me that I can't even like uh, manifest it in like a fictional take. But but you know I, what I'm saying yeah. But I mean, like I shared with you that that Vice article, right? Of like the 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 beleaguered Spurs fans who yeah, you know, Coach Pop sure is just like ruining it for them. They're burning their hats and burning their season tickets. Like that that mentality, I think, is a majority of the minority who are protesting, counter-protesting sure. politics and their things. It goes back to an ownership mentality, though. Mm-hmm. We're like, I own this player. Like, my fandom, my purchasing, my support of this means I'm owner. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I just feel like some of that is, I can say from my perspective, like we'll say with the Kanye West stuff, I, if I choose to not listen to Kanye West music, it's, it's not going to be because I feel like he owes me anything. It's going to be because I feel like I can't support this anymore. And that's the only, like, I have no relationship with Kanye West. The only relationship I have is as a consumer of his music. Right. And so if I, he's doing stuff that I feel like I can't support, then the only way I have to uh not support him or to support him is by listening to his music but i wouldn't like go out of my way to be like hey you need to change the way you believe or else i'm never doing this but in a way that is what i'm doing you know what i mean i'm doing that by absence basically yeah but but again i don't think i think the key difference there is that you don't view yourself as like hey kanye just FYI, right. you lost another, really what they're saying is you lost another partial slave owner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you didn't do what I expected you to do. Therefore, I'm not going to own you anymore. And it's like, okay, that's, that's, that, that, that really is kind of the, 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 the perspective. I don't think that that's our perspective. Yeah. Our perspective is, listen, you do what you want to do. You create what you want to create. You have your own views of the world that I may agree or disagree with. And then I can separate out, though, like my views of you as an artist and my views of you as like a person in the in the views you espouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially like with Colin Kaepernick, like it's a peaceful protest. You know what I mean? Colin yeah. Kaepernick wasn't dousing himself in fake blood before every game <laughs> and taking the field. You know what I mean? Like. So I think there's also a difference there. Mm-hmm. Like Kanye saying slavery is a choice is different than Colin Kaepernick being like, I'm just going to kneel yeah. for the for the anthem. And I'm just going to throw this out there. That's not really what he said. Well, I mean, so I guess here, correct me, because this is the quote that I heard. Quote. Well, that is 400 the, years. Right. That is the quote. Like a that is the quote. But it is a quote that's taken out of a 30 minute long conversation. Mm-hmm. Where he's talking about that idea, yeah, he didn't just say that randomly, right. right? And then he later on his Twitter goes out of his, he go, tries to explain it, what he meant by that, yeah. And and I'm not putting my foot in the, on the on either side of the line there. I'm just saying, like a lot of the really stupid things that he says in public, it. There is more context to it. So here, here's the other thing, too, that I guess I'll, I'll say in kind of finishing up is just like I am all for more absurdist imagery being introduced into 
especially my daily cultural consumption because that to me is making more sense than people trying to make sense of this. Like I, I feel like I would love this American life to put on an episode called like the political episode. Mm-hmm. And then you listen to it and it's literally just like people mumbling nonsense for like literally an hour mm-hmm. and it makes no sense. And it's just like, because really like that's the level full that we're contradictions. at. Yeah. Full yeah. of contradictions. It, it makes no point. And maybe just like mumbling where you just hear like words, like it's like Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that to me would, would make more sense than somebody being like, Hey, here's one hour of us following Richard Spencer around and really trying to figure out what makes him tick. Does he believe what he says? Blah, 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 blah. Like that to me, useless, have no use for it. Mm -hmm. Even, and again, I agree with you and I like that you've kind of talked me through like your, your take on the, on the episode. I think I'm a little harsh on it. I think it does end up having somewhat of a point in perspective of just showing again, like we talked about, mm-hmm. but I largely had no use for that at the end of that too. Well, it definitely does not lean too heavily in either direction. I feel like at least, like yeah. I said, I think it, it, it probably uh, is a little harsher on the right side of it than mm-hmm. the left, but I think it's, it's both still there. Yeah. And I think what journalism has to do now is, and I mean, look, I don't know anything about journalism. I guess it's one of the core tenets to like not pick a side. You've got to start picking sides. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and and it's not even, it shouldn't even be framed as picking sides. It should be framed as tell the truth, right? This is, this is the truth of the matter. This is how this plays out. Like this is, these are the effects that this is going to have. This is no longer just, Oh, you just this is how you believe the economy should function. Yeah. It is this is the truth of how the economy functions. Right. Right? It it is a trickle down economics is no longer just like a theory. It's no longer just like a a, a political bullet point. Like we have proof that the it this stuff does not work. Yeah. Right? Or like <clears throat> vaccines stop the spread of disease. Right. That that's not like at this point I've had somebody, again, on, like, uh, Facebook be like, prove it. And it's like, okay, we're not talking anymore. Right. Like, you're not – I because ultimately there is no proof for that person. You There will yeah. never be proof for that person. Yes. And so I kind of feel like with Kanye, um, he is weirdly, like, making more sense <laughs> right now. Uh-huh. And, like, he is – in his nonsense, uh-huh. it's like all he's doing is like adjusting to the temperature of the climate, I feel like, you know? And and again, that is crazy. But without him saying that, how much crazier was our culture before he started saying it? Yeah. Not much crazier, you know? Uh and and it's just to me getting like more and more absurd on the on the international stage. Like, I love the fact that like Trump, he's in the mouth of people mm-hmm. who, in one breath, can say like he, you know, he's a he's a solid candidate for the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
You know, he, he, he may deserve this thing. And in the very next uh, phrase could say, yeah, he probably laundered money and did some <laughs> uh, campaign <laughs> finance uh, fraud uh, and paid off a porn star yeah. for uh, to, to shut her up. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I mean, like people can assert both of those things straight faced on TV and not walk away and be like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Right. You know, so the fact that Kanye West is out there saying God knows what is just kind of like, yeah, OK. All right. Like. It, it, it all is kind of congealing into one big mush. Yeah. Um, to just quickly wrap up the This Is America talk. I'm I I'm still I've watched the video probably seven or eight times. Yeah, me too. I'm still not totally sure what the message of it is. I haven't read anything really. Um, but to me the the message to me the video is basically a demonstration of the shut up and dribble mentality, right? Where you have all of this violence being committed against the black community, but all anybody is actually doing in the video, or at least the people in the foreground are just dancing and singing, yeah. right? They're, they're purely for entertainment, yep. which part of that speaks to the like, yeah, the like, the uh the dance the dance the minstrel dance dancing and stuff like that yeah uh but then there's just crazy stuff going on in the background some of it happens in the foreground uh but to me that's what the video uh that's sort of like the big takeaway from the video that i've gotten i'm not totally sure um i i'm just not sure on the like the 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 intricacies of that in the video and the song itself is like, I I don't know if it's like, if that's just a critique of that mentality or if it's also a critique of like, Hey, this is what's going on in our community and all we're doing is singing and dancing. Yeah. So we're not putting enough effort into it either. I don't know how deep it is, how deep the criticism goes. Yeah. And the song itself is like, kind of incomprehensible i guess i'm not good with lyrics to begin with yeah. like parsing that stuff but it, the, the song doesn't make much sense to me so yeah i i think you you've hit on all the major points <clears throat> the only thing that i would add so i think that it, it can be uh interpreted on levels right mm-hmm. so one specific level just hitting on what you 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 reference in in my first big takeaway is like, this is the shut up and entertain me, don't go outside of your lane, mm-hmm. is the violence in the um, video, I think also speaks to the fact that like, if Colin Cap, if we forced Colin Kaepernick to stop protesting, he might feel that he is complicit in the violence that he sees being perpetrated in the culture that he is a part of. Mm-hmm. And what we're asking him to do is basically be like, feel that way. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care 
if you are so moved by what you see to do this protest, mm-hmm. I don't care about the reason for your protest. I only care that you stop doing it. Right. And really what you're asking these people to do is be like, don't, don't make me think about Trayvon Martin. Don't make me think about Philando Castile. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you dare. And you're, you're making them feel in some way complicit. The, the other thing too is they, that argument too of like stay in your lane also is like they have a bigger platform than you, you yeah. know, the, the, the reason why they're doing that and you're, and you're not just nobody cares what you have to say because your platform is small. Right. But because they have a big platform, they are kind of, you know, maybe feeling a little more pressure to do things outside of just, again, like throw the stupid ball around the field. Mm. I think that we should be okay with that. And then the second thing is I feel like in the end, one of the things that, that the, that the video might be putting forward is you can play the game, which is basically what he does throughout the video. Mm -hmm. And I like that all of his dancing and stuff also references like iconography from like Michael Jackson, right? Mm -hmm. On top of the car, he even Mm -hmm. does like a Michael Jackson move where you're like, you can play the game the way the people expect you to. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you will still be pursued. Mm-hmm. You will still be hunted down yeah. because the reality is it's racist it, or it's racism. Right. Like your existence offends these people. Mm-hmm. And if you stay in your lane, they'll kind of feel like, Hey, I can, I can put up with you if you stay there. Uh, but really that's not true. They right. still hate you. There are no rules to it. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is a hatred that people try and uh, explain away as not hatred by like giving an arbitrary rules. Yeah, that just ultimately don't exist. I, the, the other thing that I loved in it that made me think is like how oversized happy he is and everything, especially after the violence. Mm-hmm. And that to me made me think again of like what's the refrain we hear. Especially like, dude, this freaking Jeff Flake episode that This American Life did, <laughs> where again it's like I under like he's Mormon. He he really is this idealistic. He does. It's like is Jeff Flake Mormon? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Like and this episode again, I felt like, you know, he's a person. I get it. Right. If you have a, a, a any empathy at all, you're gonna walk away and be like, I don't wish the death of anybody. Right. But really, like. This guy is for regressive policies that hurt and kill people, period. Exactly. Like that needs to be part of your reporting. And one of the things that they're trying, they're following Flake as he tried to get this DACA thing Mm. through, which again, didn't happen. And basically, again, This American Life didn't have to say it, but he got played and he came out like a complete joke. Right. Because he's all excited. They got this handshake deal from Mitch McConnell Mm -hmm. that didn't amount to anything. But the reason why he's for DACA is because his family had like a migrant worker <laughs> and the migrant worker is just always happy and positive mm. and always served my family. And, oh man, we have this, this lasting joke and it's all about how, you know, he couldn't pronounce this, this saying and we still say it mm. uh, all the time. It's just such a funny thing. And you realize like he is using like, this guy's gratefulness as approval to exploit him. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, look, he's thankful and look at that work ethic. My God, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's that tweet that went around where like 
Trump Jr.'s like love loyalty uh, just had a uh, a gardener say that he's missing his daughter's funeral to help get this place ready for the <laughs> no not his daughter's wedding uh-huh. yeah yeah not here uh-huh. but he's missing his daughter's wedding yeah uh, to help get things ready just love that loyalty right. it's like he I, I don't know the guy I think there's right. a good chance that behind closed doors he's probably like cursing you guys yeah number yeah. number two that's not healthy. To have somebody who's like, I'm missing my, that's when you say, stop, get out of here. You don't say like, man, these guys with the work ethic, they'll just work their butts off. He might be terrified that he's going to lose his job if he doesn't do this for you. Right. He's not doing that out of loyalty to you. He's doing that because he knows you will shit can him as soon as he doesn't show up for his job. And that's the thing. No matter what the reason is. Right. That's the thing in the video. It's like, it's like that I loved about Donald Glover and like Childish Gambino. It's like, keep that smile on. Mm-hmm. Keep that oversized smile on because if I feel like you are not grateful for your position in my culture, right? Like you will be out. I will come down swiftly against you. And so you have to be like, hey, I'm not just doing these moves and doing great entertainment.